Hello and welcome to the Egg Banana Podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Mark. And I'm Edward. And this podcast is for English learners and for us to discuss our lives overseas. So in this episode, we're going to be discussing about the COVID-19 situation in Taiwan. As you know, unless you've been hiding under a rock or an island of some sort, the past year has been very bad and has affected many people, many countries. Uh, but there are a few places where the COVID situation has been handled magnificently, like Taiwan, where in which I did the research, had only has 1,036 documented cases and 10 deaths so far, which I think is a very remarkable statistic when you compare it to other countries, of course. Um, Mark, Ryan, any, any thoughts? Um, I just um, met with a student, and we were just, just uh, recently discussing this, uh, about this issue this week. And uh, we were talking about the situation in, in America, and um, we were looking at the statistics, and supposedly there were 30 million people already uh, affected um, with the virus. In the U.S. In the U.S. And I was kind of surprised, so I had to kind of like look it up. And um, and the U.S. population in general is like 300 million. So, and we figured out like, so almost one out of 10 people had the virus um, in America. So, that was a kind of uh, a shock to me. So, I was kind of surprised by that. And... Um, Although Taiwan is a smaller country, and of course the population is much smaller, um, I, I do have to say I think Taiwan has handled the situation um, really well. So, and I think um, I think part of it is because something that you had mentioned to me before, Edward, like uh, because Taiwan had uh, had to go through SARS. Sure. And so. From what I understand, they, um, I guess they had to, like, do trial and error to the situation and uh, figure out how to, or figure out what was the best solution in battling SARS at that time. So, um, during this COVID situation, I think they were better prepared on what to do, so... Right. I think SARS happened in 2003, as far as I remember. And just because they had that, like, experience dealing with it, when, thi when this pandemic started to happen, I think other countries, just in my opinion, from what I read and just what I saw, they didn't really take it seriously or thought it would be isolated to China itself. They didn't realize, like, the amount of people coming and going that it was going to spread kind of like wildfire, right? And I think, as I recall, Taiwan immediately, uh, as soon as, like, the news was starting to come out of China last year, Oh, yeah, last year, right? They started to kind of monitor everybody coming in from there, and they kind of implemented a lot of measures. So, uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts about the whole thing, I guess? Yeah, I feel incredibly lucky to to have moved to Taiwan when I did. Um, I didn't come here right before um, the whole thing happened, but I've been here for less than two years, so I, I guess I had been here for already at least half a year or more uh, when, when COVID hit. And thinking back to the countries that I was previously living in, um, I was in Singapore for three years before I moved here to Taiwan, and then I was in the Philippines before that. And um, both of these countries had it 
pretty bad. Um, the Philippines is still really suffering from it. Uh, I think Singapore has gotten a lot better recently. Um, but I have several friends. I have a friend in the Philippines um, from Canada. I have a, a friend from Japan. A friend, He's back in Japan now. And a friend from the U.S. who's in Singapore. And all of them had just visited me here in Taiwan right before everything got really bad and they were all considering you know they love Taiwan they w- they were thinking about moving here and and everything and then once the borders closed and everything it just got worse and worse uh outside of Taiwan while we continued to live a fairly normal life inside of uh Taiwan so i felt like kind of bad for them because you know they were they loved Taiwan and they felt like oh i want to come here and live here and then they didn't really get the chance to as things started to get worse um, around around the world, but uh, yeah, I, I just feel so lucky for us to be here. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very interesting. So, um, I lived a long time in New York, and I'm in a WhatsApp group chat with you know some of my friends from New York, and you know I went back into uh, 2018, and when you, I think of New York, you know, I think of a kind of like a thriving, you know, really busy metropolis. So when they were telling me. Um, they had to go through lockdown and Soho, if you've ever been to New York, very busy, busy street. When they're telling me it's kind of like a ghost town, it just kind of blows my mind about that. So I do think that we are very fortunate here. For the most part, I would say our daily lives haven't been affected too much. I, it is interesting. I was thinking about this. I just remember when the news was starting to filter out about like how serious this was. You could kind of see the change on the MRT, which is the public transportation in Taiwan where like all of a sudden I just noticed, Oh, maybe like 10, 10 to 15% of people are wearing masks, surgical masks. Then all of a sudden it went up to like 30 and then all of a sudden 50 and then 90. And then all of a sudden now um, for the listeners out there, if you um, it's mandated that you have to wear a surgical mask on, on the bus or the MRT. And if you don't, they either won't let you on and, or they will find you, I think 15,000 NT, which is about 500 us, I would guess. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. That sounds right. Um, and for the audience members out there who want to learn about, uh, how would you, I don't know if there's a word for it in Japanese, like, is there a word for, like, coronavirus or COVID in Japanese? You know, I'm not too sure. I haven't... Um, Sorry, I put you on the spot. No problem. I yeah. yeah, I haven't been to Japan during this whole thing, but I would imagine that they, they may just call it corona. Oh, pretty good. But I... I could be wrong. I don't think COVID, I don't know. They b- but they may have another word too or they may be using the the characters that came from like Mandarin okay. too. So I'd have to look uh, up actually. Mark back me up, but I I believe uh in Mandarin it's like Bingdu, right? Cuz that's what they that's what I hear what they say, right? I I believe so. I okay. I'm not too sure. I, I do know mask is kozao cuz I hear kozao. that all the time. Yeah. I've heard that more more times this year than I had uh uh it, it's really funny. I had this joke that like I've used more hand sanitizer and surgical masks this last year than I have um, in my whole life because it's very interesting. I don't know if Mark and Ryan agree with me. Wh- when I first, I've been in Taiwan for about eleven years. When I would get sick, I would never wear a surgical mask. Like when I had the flu, I would just go out. I would just you know go to the hospital or get some antibiotics, but I never wore a mask. But like I think traditionally speaking, um, in Asia, people are just kind of accustomed to wearing masks so i've kind of had to learn how to do that this year um because it's kind of like you know 
as foreigners, I'm not used to it. Mark, like, what do you think about that? Um, I definitely think that's uh, a big cultural difference between Taiwan and and America. Um, I'm much like you, like, um, of course, Americans don't really wear surgical masks if they're sick. So, and I've told people like, yeah, in America, if someone's wearing a surgical mask, we're thinking like this guy's like really sick or about to die. So, and like to stay away from this person. Right. So for me, like um, coming to Taiwan and seeing people wearing surgical, surgical masks uh, before the uh, pandemic um, was a little bit of a surprise to me. Um, Definitely for me, uh, I had to kind of get used to it. And then. Um, I had some Taiwanese explain to me, like, um, these people are wearing, like, surgical masks because they're, they just, got, they have a cold. And, um, and so they're wearing the mask to not, uh, spread their cold. So it, it's like a, a polite thing. So, and yeah, so for me, like, um, I had to kind of get used to it. And of course, like you, like, um, when I have a cold, like, I would just take some medicine or just stay at home and rest. Like, I wouldn't wear the mask. But, of course, um, like you said, during this pandemic, like it started to become a, a mandatory thing. Like, uh, if you take the subway or the bus, like, you have to wear the mask. So, um, it was a little bit uh, getting used to, but, um, like, I've what I kind of mentioned to you before, like, before I left the house, I usually always make sure I have um, – three things so my wallet my keys uh and my phone but now like with this pandemic now i have to remember four things so my wallet keys my phone and the mask so yeah so it's it's start it's starting to begin more like a habit now and like um so um but yeah it's pretty interesting so and it's it's kind of interesting to see the whole situation like in america um, even Americans as a whole, as a country, is like learning to start wearing or accepting wearing the mask, even though there's a still um, a select few that's kind of being rebellious. It's very interesting. I, I think because in Asia, it's kind of part of the culture to wear a mask. But then I do know my friends were telling me when this started happening, started popping up, when they when uh, they wore masks, people would, would be like, like you said what are you doing? Are you sick? Like, why are you doing that? And then now I think they realize, um, you know, at the end of the day, cause there's some people who think, Oh, wearing the mask doesn't do anything. It's, uh, yeah. it's, you know, propaganda or whatever you want to call it. But I think at the end of the day, it's kind of like, if it helps you out like 1%, just do it. You know what I mean? Um, Ryan, any thoughts or what do you think about the whole thing? Yeah. I was going to say, um, like you mentioned earlier, it is part of the culture. Like I remember, when I was living in Japan or even here in Taiwan um, before COVID, it was not uncommon to see people wearing a mask. You know, they, it's kind of just courtesy. Like if they feel a little bit under the weather, if they might have a cough or have sneezed or something, they just put on a mask, not for themselves, but to protect others from possibly getting or catching a cold if they have one, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just already something that they do. One thing that I found to be pretty interesting, and I think this happened in a lot of countries, but it o- actually even happened in Taiwan, was 
suddenly there was a shortage on certain things. Yes. You know, like I remember when people started saying, okay, you, you should really have a mask. You know, I, I went to Seven Eleven at that time you could still buy a mask at Seven Eleven, Okay. And that was before they started making it to where everybody had to get it from like the drugstores or whatever. Um, but they were limiting it. Like Seven Eleven was like, okay, you could get something like ten pieces or something, um, maybe for eight NT or something per mask or something. So, and some people felt like it was a little bit expensive, but um, technically, you could have just gone to like several Seven Elevens and like picked up, you know, twenty, thirty masks in a day or something like that. But then eventually, like you couldn't buy it from Seven Eleven anymore, and then. You couldn't even find it in any of the, the drugstores or anything like that. And not only masks, but toilet paper, soap, alcohol, or hand sanitizer. It was just, like, almost impossible to find anywhere. And I remember even some some days in the grocery stores, like, uh, there would be food aisles that were just, like, empty. Like, people bought all of the either canned food or instant noodles or, or whatever. Did you guys... I guess you guys experienced some of that. You saw some of that. Yeah. Um, I remember, yeah, last year, um, during the beginning of last year, like, um, I saw news about, like, people lining up, I mean, almost a mile from the, like, clinics to get masks. And they were, like, buying, like, boxes and boxes of them. So, and, so, yeah, they were, like, uh, taking it pretty serious, but like kind of going a bit overboard as well, and I and there was a point like I couldn't get any mask, and I didn't um, wasn't prepared, so and and I li- literally had to kind of like ask like friends like, hey, you got any extra mask? So, um, but yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, and then yeah, the whole toilet paper shortage happened, so. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. So, and at the same time, I think kind of it kind of happened as well in America. So, but yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It was very, um, it was interesting because, like you said at, at the beginning, you could just buy it. But I think, like maybe Ryan was intimating, people started like hoarding it and buying excess amount when they, you know, they didn't need it, need to. So I think I, so I guess um, the Taiwanese government stepped in, and it got to a point where like. Uh, you can go. I, I, I remember this vividly because, like, near my house, I would have to walk up the hill to go to a pharmacy. I literally had to wait, I think, like, 90 minutes to two hours because, like, people would start. It, at that particular pharmacy, you can only get the, the mask or the kouzao, as they say in Chinese, at 2 p.m., but people would start lining up, like, maybe 1230. So, like, we'd have to go there, and it, it became a thing. And at that time, I believe it was you could get, I forgot how many masks, it was like two masks a week or something, but then eventually, um, I think they 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 increased the amount of masks. And I think now you can get maybe I want to say nine every two weeks, and then now you can just of course you could just um, buy them. But um, it was kind of interesting um, when it first happened. I definitely felt like a little tension in the air, and kind of like went out a little bit less. Like I I basically haven't. Mark knows this, and Ryan knows this, uh, as I'm sure. 
I didn't go to the. I haven't gone to the movie theater in a year. I just stopped. I used to go to the movie theater, plan little kind of movie groups, go watch movies. But then when COVID happened, I was like, that's not a good place to go, right? So that's definitely one place where I stopped. Um, the listeners will be happy to know I've started to do that again because the situation in Taiwan is relatively safe as far as I know. Knock on wood. And um, so it's just been kind of like an. Um, it's been an interesting situation. I think the. Taiwanese government have done a good job with kind of contact tracing. Everybody comes in is documented. They now it's you know they have to go through quarantine. Um, I don't know, Mark. Like you're from Kansas, right? Like how's your family? How's the situation there? Um, well, I called my parents uh, last Christmas and um, kind of asked them what's going on and. Uh, and they told me I one of my aunts uh, actually had the uh, COVID, and then uh, oh, wow. I think they had to quarantine in their house for a couple of days for a couple of weeks. So, and I have a brother. He only lives like maybe two miles from my parents, and and they decided not to visit my parents for Christmas um, until they both get the vaccine. So, so yeah, it was kind of interesting that my brother was like taking these precautions. Um, and and it seems like yeah, a lot of people like um, trying to be more cautious, especially around elderly people. Um, so, but I I do want to say like I think it is kind of interesting um, what you were talking about when people were coming into Taiwan, like the the process like they had to go through. Um, I don't know if people are aware of this. Like usually foreigners that come to um, Taiwan or not or maybe Taiwanese as well, or everybody, they, the government will have, like, uh, a sp- specific, like, uh, hotel room where they have to quarantine for two weeks, so, and they can't leave, and they will bring food to you at the door, and I remember before, they would give you a cell phone, and then, and there will be a GPS on the cell phone, and, and they will call your phone just to make sure you're, like, in the house or something, so. Um, and I remember, like, people were mentioning, like, yeah, if they give you the cell phone, you can, like, easily just leave the house and leave the phone at home. So, like, how is that, like, monitored, monitoring, like, where you're at? So, um, but I think, yeah, I think the government's kind of stepped up and now you are, like, um, like put in a room and st- stay there for, like, two weeks. Um, I just... I uh, had a Taiwanese friend who just went to America to work um, last year, beginning of last year, in California. And I was f- kind of surprised the quarantine system the American has, which is uh, non non-existent. So basically he uh, booked a Airbnb for two weeks and quarantined himself. Um, but at the same time, he was telling me, he can still go out to grocery stores and buy food, um, and nobody's like monitoring him. So it's kind of crazy, like the situation, um, the difference between Taiwan and America. So I just kind of want to point that out. So I was kind of surprised about that. So yeah, it's interesting. Um, I talked to my dad sometimes. It used to be on Skype, but now it's Line because Line is what everyone uses in Asia. Um, he had told me he just got the first vaccine. And then he is scheduled, I don't know if he got the second one yet, or he, 
and he just said um, he either got it or is scheduled to get it. He just said, you know, he um, the side effects for him so far, he's just a little bit dizzy, but besides that, he's doing really good. But um, I think before you could come to Taiwan, right, if you got a job offer, but you have to do the quarantine. But isn't it kind of now you have to get the vaccine too, or I don't know. Is that true or no? Not that I've heard. I, okay. I think that that may be the norm for all countries moving forward okay. pretty soon. Um, some I heard something about like, vaccine passport or something yeah. or s- some kind of stamp or something in your passport showing that you you got the vaccine but i think right now it's still um just mandatory quarantine i i don't think that okay i'm not i'm not too sure actually. how do you guys feel about that would you get the vaccine like like for me i want to make sure all the bugs are out so maybe the first wave let other people be the guinea pigs but eventually i feel like especially to be able to travel freely you're gonna have to get inoculated correct Right. Yeah, that's it's tough. I right now, you know, living in Taiwan where it feels like there's not even really any threat, you know, here. Obviously if if we want to travel we're gonna have to consider getting the vaccine. But for right now I think it's not necessary yeah. until we we decide to start traveling again. Um but yeah, I kn- like I've mentioned before, a good friend of mine from Canada, he's He's really looking forward to traveling again, and he's like, just as soon as he can get his vaccine, he's he wants it, and he wants to start, you know, traveling again. He wants to come to Taiwan and and stuff. So that's interesting. Um, I'd have heard that if you get the vaccine before coming to Taiwan, uh, instead of the two weeks, I heard like they will shorten your quarantine to one week. But and another interesting thing I I heard was that as of right now. I think from what I heard from the news, there's a little over 100,000 vaccines here in Taiwan, but they're basically going for like doctors and nurses and elderly. Um, and with my other student that I, I just met earlier this, this week, we were, I don't know where he got this information from, but he did mention like if 60% of the Taiwanese population got the vaccine, like the government would open its borders for people to travel. So I thought that was kind of interesting information that he had. So just kind of want to point that out real quick. Well, I was just curious, like final thoughts. Uh, do you think, like, why do you think Taiwan has been so, su- I, uh, New Zealand too, right, has been really successful. Like, why do you think Taiwan has been so, so successful? They, j- they just kind of started implementing things earlier, monitoring people, or like, well, like what are your thoughts about that? Well, I, c- I think what we kind of mentioned just earlier about Taiwan having to um, battle or kind of go through the SARS um, situation. So through that, I think they they learned what they needed to do and how to prepare for the next uh, pandemic. So when the COVID-19 happened, I think they were better prepared. But didn't they, did they also, uh, I'm trying to remember, they also kind of closed the borders off really fast, right? They wouldn't let incoming flights come in and out. And I know before, because like a lot of my friends, they work remotely. So now here, I think for a while they were they kind of said um, only uh, Taiwanese Taiwanese people, people who got jobs, um, what diplomat? Like I don't know, Ryan. You're probably more knowledgeable about this. They kind of limited the amount of people that could actually come in freely, right? Yeah, I think they eventually cut off um, people coming here to study. Yeah, that used to be okay early yeah. on, and then they they cut that 
and I think maybe even the job seeking visa, right. if I'm not mistaken. But obviously, yes, if you're already like a permanent resident, citizen, um, or here on official business of some sort, then you were able to, as long as you still, you know, went through your two week. Yeah. Mandatory quarantine. Because a lot of people, um, they didn't have, they don't have, like, pre-COVID, they didn't have work permits. They would just kind of leave the country every, what, like, three months? Mm-hmm. And just days. come back. And now, now that option has been kind of sealed off. So it's, you know, it's made the situation um, more harder for them, for that those type of people, I would say. Yeah, a lot of people had to go seeking other, other ways to stay in the country, other kinds of visas, for example, like the gold card yeah, yeah. or entrepreneur visa, which is what I'm on. So yeah, it's um it's been an interesting time here the past year or so. Yeah, and I'm definitely glad I'm dual citizen, so, <laughs> so I'm able to stay here and I know Mark as if it's okay, like you have an ARC, so you're good to go, right? Yeah, I, I I'm actually I feel really lucky. Um Especially this whole timing. I mean, I've been in Taiwan for like five years, and I was just a uh, private tutor for most of the time. And then, um, of course, I was been uh, applying for jobs, but um, I actually got an actual working visa just last year, right at the beginning of this pandemic. And now that I think about it, like if I didn't get this job, I think I would have to move back to America because I was like living off um, – the tourist visa where I was just in Taiwan every three months. Then I would go to Japan for a few days and come back and then renew the work, uh, travel visa. So, um, but since the pandemic and the government, Taiwanese government decided to uh, change the policies. And I do remember like they did allow some foreigners to extend their visas, but only like one or two times. So, and I had thought about doing that before, but um, but yeah, I feel really lucky um, to have a working visa and to stay here. And that's all the time we have for this episode. Please be on the lookout for our next episode where we talk about night markets in Taiwan. Be sure to follow Egg Banana on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and other platforms. <laughs> <laughs>